Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, everybody. Uh, welcome to another edition of the Sportster Show. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with Sportster.com. This is episode 13. We're going to be joined by Norman Quarantine in a minute here, but we're going to be talking all things Forbidden Door, AEW, Dynamite, and Blood and Guts. We'll talk a little bit about John Cena's celebration, some speculation that maybe Kenny Omega is thinking about retiring, uh, and a few other news tidbits. Don't forget, uh, join us on your favorite podcast platforms, download and subscribe to the show, and uh, enjoy episode 13, everybody. One thing I will say is that I was a little bit, I apologize for the audio here, a little bit tingy, a little bit peaky, uh, clipping a few times, so my audio isn't wonderful, so I apologize for that in advance. Uh, But yes, enjoy episode 13, and uh, leave some comments for us. going to be very interesting reminds me a little bit of the old cane welcome everybody back to the sportster show my name is jim parsons i'm here with the sportster.com as always here with norman quarantine norman how you doing i'm good man good uh we're gonna be talking a lot about uh aw this week episode 13 of the sportster show forbidden door dynamite some of the developments that happened there we'll touch a little bit on some of the news in the world of wwe uh, because we do have Money in the Bank this weekend on Saturday, so we'll touch on that as well. But uh, let's focus mostly on AEW, Forbidden Door, what happened at the pay-per-view, how those numbers look, uh, the return that AEW is getting from that show, uh, things like that. Let's first start about your overall reaction to Forbidden Door. You, I have not had, full disclosure for everybody who's listening here, a chance to watch all of the show. I do know what went down, I kind of know what happened and all that stuff, but I'm going to refer to you because you did watch this show in great detail, you were really, really excited to see it. Did it live up to expectations for you? Because we had talked to the last show about you know, what this pay-per-view might look like based on the fact that some of these guys are injured, your dream matches might not happen, uh, there was some talk about whether or not this was going to be a winner for AEW, it wasn't drawing the ratings and numbers on Dynamite that they had hoped. What did you think of the show? 
I think, yeah, like you said, last time we talked a lot about how the the build to the show had been a little bit hodgepodge, uh, kind of flying by the seat of their pants, really trying to make lemonade out of out of lemons. Um, ultimately, they that's they did do that. I think they succeeded. They pulled it off. They put on a very very entertaining show. The matches, the in ring action was brilliant. Um, you know, did it do the numbers that maybe they wanted it to do? Probably not. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how high their expectations were for this show. I think it's it's the first time they've done it. I think that um, next time they do it, it will be it will be more successful. Um, but overall, a very good show that I don't think certainly didn't you know certainly didn't do them any harm. So yeah, I'm 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 glad it happened. I had fun watching it. I know a lot of other people had fun watching it too. Um, yeah, just great in ring action. For those that are wondering, when we say the numbers, we're talking about. Uh, Tony Khan's tweet specifically about what the results are so far. So he kind of knew going in what the ticket sales were going to be. The event was sold out quite quickly. Uh, so the gate there was over a million bucks, uh, which is great for them. Then he talked about the pay-per-view numbers, and he's saying over $5 million generated on pay-per-view, which equates, if you take about 50 bucks per pay-per-view, to 100,000 buys. Uh, I've seen reports about 110,000, which is actually under average for AEW. Uh, some of their bigger pay-per-views draw, you know, 140, 150. Um, so this is lower than what they would have seen from some of their other shows, but not terribly off pace from what they're used to for their pay-per-views. So Tony's happy, right? We've also heard that New Japan is thinking about bringing a Forbidden Door to Japan, and Tony has talked already about wanting to do this every year. Um, so I'm assuming, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, that this is a tradition now. This is going to be something that Tony Khan is going to do regularly moving forward, um, that the numbers were strong enough that it makes sense to do this again. And for New Japan, it's probably great promotion for them. They're probably happy enough to do it and could draw a huge crowd uh, in Japan if they were to do this event. Yes or no? Uh, yeah, I think I think it's definitely going to be coming an, an annual thing. Um, whether or not, I don't know how they're going to decide who gets to host this. So I don't know that next year's Forbidden Door is going to be in Japan. Maybe they do two a year. Maybe they do one early in the year and one later in the year. And one's in Japan and one's in America. Um, I don't know how that's all going to shake out. I will say I think, yeah, it's, I think that it was obvious, the fact that New Japan saw Forbidden Door. I mean, they were involved in obviously the production of it. But, I, but the fact that Forbidden Door happened and then afterwards New Japan came out and said, yeah, we want to do that too. I think that tells you something about how the, the how the show was viewed internally, at least. Yeah, no, it'll be good. And there was lots that happened here. I mean, there were some guys, Brian Danielson, uh, Kent Omega, CM Punk, that couldn't wrestle and couldn't go because they were injured. But there were still some really, really solid matches, uh, some dream matches. And the one that really a lot of people are talking about is... Um, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Claudio Casagnoli, which we had kind of called and said, we think it's both going to be Cesaro. Uh, Claudio comes out uh, to a huge, huge pop. Like, the AW crowd was super hot for this, right? It was probably the worst kept secret, even though it wasn't really a secret. It was the one logical thing, right? He's got the connection to Danielson. He's open and available. Uh, and Tony said in the media scrum after the event that he already had Claudio under contract, and he was planning on bringing him in for Ring of Honor. And then when Brian Dennison went down, it just made sense to move things up. And Claudio is now a very big part of the picture in AEW. And we saw on Dynamite that he picks up the win uh, for Blackpool Combat Club in the Blood and Guts match. So uh, one 
are were you surprised by this? I'm, I'm assuming the answer is no. And how big of a star do you think Claudio is going to be in AEW based on the early reactions so far? Yeah, I think I wasn't surprised. I think it was it was basically inevitable. I think the moment that we heard that uh, Cesaro Claudio had parted ways with WWE, I think everybody. I don't think there's a wrestling fan in the world that didn't immediately think he was going to end up in AEW. Um, I don't know. Could you see him in Impact? I can't. I mean, I could, but he would. I could see him going in and being a Kurt Ang- having a Kurt Angle run in Impact, where he just demolishes everybody. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody didn't assume that Claudio was good. Claudio Castagnoli was going to end up in AEW. Uh, the pop was huge. He's come in. He's looked like he's a main event player immediately. It's 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 been incredible to see. He's only he's only been on two AEW shows. Had two AEW matches. One match was phenomenal. It's such a weird run he's on so far, right? His first AEW match was against a British New Japan talent who we're probably not going to see in an AEW ring again for maybe another year. Um, And it was great. And then his second match was a blood and guts match. Um, And yeah, he he got a big sort of boost by being the guy i mean i guess we'll touch on it more later unless we want to talk about it unless we want to get talk about the actual blood and guts match first um yeah he got he was involved in the in the final moments of that match and just like i said just immediately is being presented as a big deal and is coming across as a big main event star yeah yeah we'll talk about the blood and guts match in a minute but i do want to get your take on what you thought was the match of the night at Forbidden Door. Because there are a lot here that if I look at some reviews and different people who watch the show, uh, there's a lot of A, A-plus matches here. Uh, the main event, the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match got a really good rating. Um, the Kenny, o- or excuse me, Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy match got a really good rating. What was your match of the night? What was the one that you were like, wow, this was really good? So I definitely loved the Orange Cassidy Will Ospreay match. I really got, I really enjoyed that match. I thought it was fun, a lot of uh, fast-paced action. Um, I think they both kind of, as much as Osprey came to Orange Cassidy's level in terms of the sort of comedy, I think Orange Cassidy kind of upped his game and not quite reached Will Ospreay's level in terms of just pure athleticism and and talent but uh he got close um so yeah i really enjoyed that match i thought that was fun and then i and then yeah like we've said i really loved i'm a big zack saber jr mark have been for a long long time um claudio versus zsj was was yeah uh, I, I was blown away by that match and and i would need i need to rewatch it but in the moment i absolutely loved it and that might have been because of everything involved, right? Because it was Zack Sabre Jr.'s first AEW match and Claudio Castanoli's first AEW match. But yeah, those were my two favorite matches for sure. Yeah, well, the the card is getting strong reviews from people who were like, eh, you know, and I brought it up on the last show. It's like the average wrestling fan that may not know New Japan as well as the really hardcore wrestling fans. Uh, I would imagine even watching this show, even if you weren't totally familiar with all these guys, you probably enjoyed this card because there was some really solid in-ring action from the things that I saw, uh, really, really strong. And from what I'm reading and hearing from people like yourself, um, that this was good. This was um, really what you wanted it to be. Yes, there were a couple game guys missing, um, but that will all in time make up for itself if they're doing more of these shows. So uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk to about AEW Dynamite, Blood and Guts, uh, special show. Uh, really, the second half of the program was the Blood and Guts match itself, which is two rings in a cage. 
Uh, but the first half of the show was good too. Orange Cassidy versus All Ego Ethan Page. Man, Orange, but you just talk about Orange Cassidy. He was so over. I like the the pop, the new music you mentioned, uh, which is kind of old music, as you had said, and the indie scene he used to use it. Uh, really, man, I, I hope AEW, and I have not always been the biggest Orange Cassidy supporter, but he has proven me wrong in terms of I think he has the ability to be more of a main guy. You know, like that pop, that reaction, that crowd. Uh, really wants him to do well. And there was a time that I thought AWs had sort of let it slip with him, like he was kind of caught in this no-man's land. But, man, the last couple weeks, or last week anyway, I really feel like he's gaining some steam back. Uh, I thought this was a good match, and I just was really taken by how over Orange Cassidy seems to be. Yeah, good match. Um, Don't sleep on Ethan Page either. I think he's been really, really phenomenal well not, i want to say he's been phenomenal since he arrived in aw because his first few months were a little bit lackluster but since he's been uh in men of the year and involved in the american top team stuff he's been absolutely brilliant his promos are brilliant he's uh i think he's great in the ring so yeah ethan page is 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 really good too orange cassidy yeah like you said the guy's just the guy just exudes star power and has the it factor is sells a lot of merch i assume if he doesn't then he will um and then yeah like you said he came out he had new music i don't know how tony khan well i do know how because he's got a lot of money but i think it's really interesting that tony khan is willing to pay these sort of licensing fees for these songs i'm wondering if um we if if the if the the contract or the deal that they had to for where is my mind expired so so they just shelled out and paid for jefferson starship's jane which was orange cassidy's theme song on the indies um or if we're still gonna hear where is my mind and he's just paying for both at the same time and he and oc's gonna use where is my mind when he's in a group situation and uh jefferson starship when he's by himself i don't know i guess we'll we'll find out but yeah it is an interesting question because I wonder sometimes how much these licensing deals are really worth. I know the rules are if the song's old enough or the copyright is old enough, then there isn't, you know, uh, a licensing fee that you have to pay. But in some cases, like, you know, Tarzan Boy and stuff like that, you're paying. Uh, he did say that he tried to get, um, I think it was Bryanson's original music or something like that. And the, and the cost was so, yeah, Final Count, it was so astronomical. He's like, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, but, uh, so there is a line that he won't cross in terms of, uh, how much he's willing to pay for this stuff. But yeah, it is, it is interesting because he used a lot. And the kicker here is that if, I mean, and we've seen it already with Cody Rhodes, right? If people leave AEW, they can take that with them if somebody is willing to pay for the licensing fee. So there is the whole copyright question. We've talked about it before with WWE and AEW is whether or not it's a good idea to not have your original material. If you're putting Orange Cassidy's theme or somebody else's theme together and not having an original song, uh, that cannot go with the person whenever they choose to leave. Yeah, it's an interesting debate. Maybe one day we'll talk about that. But yes, that was a really cool match. Um, Christian Cage comes out for another promo, kind of doubles down on the first one from a week ago, which everybody was really like, oh my gosh. Um, this time he says the entire family, with the exception of Jungle Boy's mother, should be dead. Um, and then he brings out, because he wants to have a match, but he's like, oh, by the way, I didn't say the match was with me. Luchasaurus comes out, and he apparently, between last week and now, he has talked to Luchasaurus and convinced him that he's the guy he should follow, not stick with Jungle Boy. Uh, so Luchasaurus appears to be a heel here. Um, I'll put an article up on this poster later uh, today about this, but I, I kind of dig this, actually. You brought it up. It's kind of a big, bigger thing than maybe people are making it out to be, but 
Luchasaurus had this like original Kane sort of quality. He changed his mask from green to gray. He's got a little different look, different attitude. They're pulling old school stuff where he you know beats the guy real quick, and then Christian says, "Hey, go back in and punish him some more." So then he does it. He choke slams him on the outside. Um, I thought this was interesting, and I'm very curious to see where this goes. Yeah, me too. And I think that the Christian promo was great. I think he's been doing some great work. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him cut some heel promos in which he doesn't, um, you know, immediately go to the lowest, <laughs> the lowest, the lowest rung on the ladder and uh, make fun of of dead people or people that have um, dead, you know, dead relatives. Uh, yeah, and then so Christian's I think is doing great work. I think he's now in his element. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And yeah, the Luchasaurus thing is very interesting. I'm curious to know. I don't know if we'll ever know, but you know, something happened within the last week where. Uh, Luchasaurus changed his mind and decided that he wanted to be on on Christian's side instead of Jungle Boy's. When Jungle Boy does, if and when Jungle Boy does come back, that's going to be a big, you know, that's going to be a big pop and, and a big deal, and that, that's going to be fun to to see how that plays out too. But yeah, you're right. There are some cane um, like qualities to this this new look Luchasaurus. So yeah, could could be fun. Do you think the partnership with Christian is is more about Luchasaurus and getting him over as a bad guy or more about the fact that maybe Christian Cage is not going to be a wrestler? Like, I assume kind of when he split from Jurassic Express that he might go on and, and wrestle a lot more. And that was the vibe I got last week. And then this week he comes out and he's a manager again. So uh, do you think this is about Christian Cage and not having him be an active competitor and he can be a bigger teacher and mentor and guide for Luchasaurus? Or has this always been about Luchasaurus and splitting him off, do you think, from Jurassic Express? Mm, a little bit of both, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Christian's done wrestling. I th- I do think that he's done wrestling. I mean, we know for a fact that he's he's not he hasn't been wrestling full-time for, for a long time. Um, yeah, I think he's Christian's now maybe in sort of a Sting-ish role where he's just going to wrestle pay-per-views and, and the odd match here and there, which I think is probably going to be the right call. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think that the goal of this was was to get Luchasaurus over as like a big monster heel from the beginning. But if that's if that's what happens as a result, then you know that's that's fun. Next matchup, we have uh, Danhausen and FTR versus Max Caster and the Gun Club. Couple developments coming out of this match. Uh, one, I was a little surprised FTR was in it, but that was cool. I thought that was a neat pop when Danhausen teamed with them. He's like, I think I found some guys that know how to wrestle. Um, so they come out and help him out. And then uh, Anthony Bowens is somehow miraculously healthy, gets up out of the wheelchair and goes for the attack. And then Billy Gunn kind of ditches his own kids and seems to join, um, you know, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens in the acclaimed. Now, I don't know if this is going to suggest that the gun club is splitting up or if there's just going to be a little riffle here or what's going on what do you make of this do you think uh that this is billy gunn joining the acclaimed or there's just a little bit of a trouble inside that household yeah i think that i'm not sure i don't know for sure but the the um the ass boys acclaimed uh alliance has been sort of really fun and there's been a lot of energy behind that and the crowd they've been getting very very strong reactions from the crowd even though they're their heels uh so i'd be surprised if that if this if that whole thing was gonna unravel at this point um i think i think it probably has a few you know it's got it's still got some legs so i i, I expected that so that storyline to carry on a little bit more 
Um, so yeah, I feel like this could potentially be a swerve of some kind. Um, but yeah, certainly interesting to watch Billy Gunn um, push his own son over <laughs> his one of his beloved ass boys. <laughs> yeah, it seemed to be that he through, throughout the weeks leading up to this that he was kind of like you know I'm a little more impressed with the acclaim than I am my own kids, and maybe this is just a a way of him saying look boys step it up like I'm I am who I am I got here because of the work I'm putting in and the talent I have and stuff like you guys are a little bit whatever. So maybe this is a lesson. You never know. Um, next match I thought was the weakest part of Wednesday's Dynamite. Uh, Jade Cargill versus Layla Gray. Didn't see much here. You know, Jade kind of picks up another quick win. But then in attacking after the match, uh, Layla Gray seems to join her a little. I'm not really sure, but she doesn't want it. Malcolm Bivens or whatever they're calling him. Um, why am I drawing a blank here? Uh, Stokely Hathaway, thank you. He sort of says, hey, let's maybe put Layla Gray in this, and Jade's having no part of it. Uh, so there's a little bit of a stare down at the end here. But it was a short segment, not much to this. Um, I'm assuming this is just our way of finding out that uh, Jade's going to be very picky about who joins her baddies group, you think? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if Layla is at, if Layla Gray is actually going to join the baddies, but yeah, I think we're going to see some new members soon, and... Yeah, it's a good way to show to to show that Jade is is not just letting any anybody in. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't know about I don't if it was like I mean yeah I guess it was technically the weakest part. It was certainly like the match was was just you know a, a Jade Cargill squash match. Um, but you know whenever Jade Cargill's on screen, it's it's normally uh, normally pretty entertaining. So yeah, there's she's certainly you know growing on people and taking the next steps in the logical path to becoming a major star. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but <clears throat> with all the things that happened and all the developments on the show, uh, this seemed like the most uneventful of, of all the stuff. But the the last match is really the takeaway from the show, the blood and guts match between Blackpool Combat Club and the Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, this was about as big a car crash as that anybody would have expected this would be, um, both in terms of just... Uh, it felt to me a little bit like they were working just towards the end spot. And then at other times you're like, whoa, this is nasty. Um, so it was a little bit of both. Some of it was really, really entertaining. And then some of it was kind of like, okay, well, we got to work our way to this to the Sammy Guevara spot. We got to work our way to the double uh, submission at the end. Um, but it was interesting. Uh, unfortunately, I think it was Santana that got injured early. So he was in the match, uh, but not for very long. Uh, more injuries adding up here for AEW. What did you think of this match? Um, I think the big, obviously, two things for me, the Guevara dive off the top, and then the double submission, Clodio and Kingston putting uh, applications on both of their guys, but Clodio's guy tapping out first, which pissed off Eddie Kingston, who already didn't really like Clodio Castagnoli going into this thing and didn't want to be on his team. Um, so I think that's where we're going next, Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that. So first of all, yeah, I thought the match was was a lot of fun. It was bonkers. It was crazy. It was very bloody, very gutsy, <laughs> very violent. Um, and there was a lot to like there overall. It was, you know, it was long. I'm not normally a fan of like long, drawn out matches like that. I don't really, I don't care for, I don't care for this, care for it in war games either. But overall i enjoyed it thought it was thought it was a good good time and i i liked some of the the crazier spots um and you know i just love seeing uh i love seeing big beefy men bleeding all over 
all over the ring on on TV. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the finish, I could see what they were going for with that finish. I don't know that the execution was quite good enough uh, for me anyway, but I can see what they were going for. I just think the timing of it came across a little bit weird. Um, Jericho never looked like he was actually like in a hold. I don't know if you've if 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 you've like rewatched that or anything, but yeah, you know what? In fact, I noticed a couple of things from Jericho. One, that the applicant Eddie Kingston was injured. Did you notice that? His he said at the end when he was sitting on top of the cage when the match was over, they were trying to get him to stand up, and he look he looks right at Claudia. He's like, I can't get up. Like I'm okay. But I, I'm hurt. I can't get up. He's And he said, I can't stand. So that's why they were helping him up. He sat there for a while. So I don't think he was able to put that hold on Jericho like he wanted to because uh, his back was killing him, right? And then I also noticed that Jericho at the end of the match was like yelling at the ring person to ring the bell. Like he's just like, he's like, tell people it's over. <laughs> like ring the friggin' bell. And you could see him yelling down to whoever was sitting around the ringside arena like let them know this match is over and it took the theme music i think from clodio to actually indicate and then the announcement from the ring announcer that this match was finished so i think jericho was kind of mad because he's like seriously you guys you gotta let them know this match is over because they needed that thing they needed that bell to kind of go okay what like we've got two holds going on here applied at the same time and the bell just rang so who tapped Right, I think that was what they were trying to go for, and it didn't really play out very well. And you could see Jericho knew that was what they were supposed to be doing, but it didn't come across very well, and so he was kind of choked. Um, but yeah, between Satana being hurt and Kingston hurting his back and not being able to stand up, he could barely celebrate with those guys at the end. Um, yes, I don't think it ended the way they wanted to, but I'm with you. I know exactly what they were trying to do. They were trying to make it so that Kingston was jealous that Claudio got the win, right? That's, that's what they were going for here, and it just didn't quite pay out the way they think they were hoping yeah so it's kind of a lackluster finish really but i think you know you can take a sort of leap of faith and just kind of pretend that it went as they expect as they had initially planned it to go and in that regard you know that's it very very interesting to sort of use this blood and guts match obviously this is this is the payoff this is supposed to be the the crescendo if you will of this jericho appreciation society and blackpool combat club feud which has been kind of derailed a few times by injuries and stuff it hasn't quite shaken out like exactly how they wanted it to i think because because of uh danielson's injury and then moxley had to sort of go into the title picture um and and we had cesaro coming in uh, claudio coming in so yeah that the feud the feud has been very very enjoyable for the most part and i think you know it will be highlight packages for years to come uh recapping this this rival this sort of rivalry and i'm sure it will pick up again somewhere down the line um but yeah this to use this this hour-long match to not only bring an end to this this feud between these two factions but to also sort of reignite a feud a a sort of 12 year old feud from the independent scene specifically pwg and chikara uh, involving Claudio Castagnoli and Eddie Kingston. Um, that's peak peak AEW stuff right there. Um, luckily, I think... Right, yeah. This is this is a very... I don't know. Maybe it's more people than we actually... Than I expect are aware of this. And it's not very difficult to fill people in, right? You can catch people up. I feel on commentary, um, or in, in video packages, you can say, hey, look, these guys had a, these guys had a, a series of matches on the independent scene 
in the 2000s and now we're picking that we're picking that thread back up again while they still can because none of them neither of them are getting any younger and they want to you know i guess that feud got cut short when when claudio signed for wwe so yeah so i think it's really it's interesting and it's some it's pkew stuff yeah yeah for those who don't know what we're talking about when we said it last week we we had kind of critiqued AEW a little bit in that they often will not explain or give you a background story or origins to where some of these feuds and who some of these wrestlers are because they just assume that their crowd, a niche market that really, really loves wrestling, just knows all this stuff, right? And so for people that didn't know, Claudio and Eddie Kingston had a feud and Eddie's, you know, sort of said, hey, he didn't have the balls to come to AEW and things like that. Like he's been very, they've been back and forth with each other um, about, you know, facing off again and on Forbidden Door, um, when they were celebrating at the end, Eddie Kingston came out and he was sort of yelling at Claudio and wasn't very proud of the fact that Moxley seemed to really appreciate that Claudio Castagnoli was now part of AEW. So there's a whole history here, right, that they're going to hit. Now, I'm very curious if Eddie Kingston is really injured um, and it looks like he was not in good shape. Does this kill more momentum for AEW here? Because if that was the next plan, Eddie Kingston and Claudio, which I think AEW probably envisions being a very big match for them, uh, if Kingston can't go, you know, what now, right? Now, maybe it's too early, too soon to tell whether or not Kingston's in rough shape, but he didn't look good. You know, that, that didn't look that didn't look well. Mm. I'll say, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't, f- yeah, I thought that was maybe him playing up a little bit. I, I'd be, I don't think he's any more injured than he normally, I think he's always at a base level pretty injured, Um just due to the manner of his career. Uh, so I don't know that he's any more injured than he normally is. But if he is, yeah, that that does suck. But there are ways around it, right? They can, you know, they, Kingston can still appear on TV and get under Claudio's skin and vice versa. And then they can pay it off somewhere down the line, maybe, you know, some some point at the end of the year or something. So I think it, it's, it's if, if Kingston's injured, it's, it's you know, a nuisance, but it's not it's not the end of the world. Yeah, the only reason I say that I think he might be legitimately hurt is because he, he looked right at Claudio and was talking to him. And that wasn't for the camera. It wasn't for whatever. It was just like to let him know, dude, like I want to stand up. I can't stand up right now. So it was, uh, it was very interesting to me. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. But speaking of injuries, uh, there's a report now, and Sportster's covering this as well, that Kenny Omega has said, one more setback and I'm done. Like he's out right now injured with AEW. He is not. Uh, we don't know how close he is to an actual return. We've heard whispers that it might not be that far away. But he seems to be talking about the fact that, you know, he's, he's been banged up a lot and if he's more banged up and it looks like he's going to have further injuries um he says if i get another major setback that's it that's it i'm done i can't do this ever again he said in quotes uh transcribed by fightful he's like two times three times a day really painful rehab not even knowing what it's going to be like when i get back to the ring i have no clue it's scary actually so that doesn't sound good uh what's your first uh, reaction to that I think there's an interpretation there that he may have been saying that if he has a setback in his rehabilitation, then he's done in terms of how his current style is, right? So I think the I think there I think there was a maybe some context missing where he could have yeah, I think he may have been saying like any more setbacks in my rehab and I'm gonna have to change my wrestling style completely. I don't know, um, but he, then again, he could have also just been saying, you know, I'm done. I'm done wrestling if I have any more setbacks. I know his his injuries, his sort of like physical shape was, I think, a lot worse than people expected. And it's like uh, at double or nothing and stuff when people have been 
sort of just waiting for him to come back. And I don't think he's going to be back for, a, I think he's going to be gone for at least another six months. Um, he had some, he had a lot of, a lot of issues that needed to be taken care of very urgently. And, you know, he just needs also the, just the mental side of, of taking a break. You know, he was basically carried the company, was the main guy in the company and took on a lot of stress and did a lot of dates and put in a lot of hard work for, for a couple of years there. So yeah, he deserves a break more than, more than anyone. So I'm hoping, hoping he's enjoying that break. Yeah. I don't, I think if, if, if what he was, if what he was saying is that he, he can't suffer any more setbacks or he's going to retire. I, I think that sucks because that's um, a, a brilliant career cut short. Um, but you know, I think his health probably is more important, and his there are way he's an EVP. You know, he can stay involved in the business. Um, maybe he needs a, maybe he needs to take a few years off, like do an Edge and Christian and Danielson or something, and just sit on the sidelines for a couple of years and see if see if he gets better. Yeah, it would be a huge loss for AEW if, for whatever reason, Omega's not able to return. But like you said, uh, one, he's got other things he can do. His mind for this business is probably right up there with the best of them. Um, and he has had a great career. So I suppose if he were to say, you know what, I, I'm probably done. Um, he's done a lot, and he's accomplished a lot, and he's been able to do... With the exception of maybe, I don't know if it's even of interest to him, being a major star in WWE, he's not done that, but he's been with the company for a very, very short brief before leaving. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be uh, kind of a sad day if that were to be announced that he is probably hanging it up. But speaking of great wrestling careers, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about this on the podcast. Uh, the John Cena 20-year celebration for WWE. A uh, couple interesting things that happened here on Raw this past week. One... Uh, all the highlights were pretty cool, uh, just showing his 20 years in the business, the video package, WWE, so such a great job with these video packages. I thought it was pretty cool. He interacted with a lot of people on Raw, but I think a lot of people are like, really? Like, Brian Danielson, Big Show, Chris Jericho, all on the show on Monday to send well, well wishes and thank yous to John Cena, which was pretty cool. You know, WWE must have reached out and said, hey, is it cool if we get this these video things? And then Tony Khan must have immediately been like, yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, which goes to show that Tony's like, yeah, okay, no big deal. Like, he's, he's not nearly as hard on getting these things done as it seems like WWE might be. But um, what did you think of the celebration? Was it uh, what you were hoping to see when it was announced that John Cena would be back? Yeah, it was pretty much what I expected. It was, uh, I think, it was a fitting tribute for someone for someone like Cena. Um, it was good to see him there for sure. Uh, yeah, the the AEW stars appearing was surprising, but I don't. It shouldn't have been surprising really because I think either way, Tony Khan had to clear that. My hunch is that WWE contacted those guys directly and then they asked Tony Khan for permission and he he gave them permission. Um, yeah, so that was interesting. I'm wondering. You know, I would like that to be. I would like to see more of that. I would like to see it going in the other direction too, right? Um, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. We did see, we saw Jericho and Broken Skull sessions and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was good that it was good that they were allowed to do that. Um, didn't WWE let a couple of guys record some Ring of Honor thing, some Ring of Honor? tributes for the for what was going to be their final show before tony khan purchased the company i think well aj styles just sent one out 
Remember, he was he just did a video package, and and he even said thanks to WWE for letting me do this because uh, it's so important to him. So it's not like WWE's never done this. This is certainly uh, not territory they tend to go into very often, but they uh, they do they will do this right. And AJ Styles just did like a week and a half ago, right? So um, there is it might have been was it Impact? Is that what he did it for? Was the Impact show? But, yeah, so they, they have had those uh, connections in the past. But it just seems to me like Tony's like, yeah, no big deal, right? And why not, right? It's got to be good for them. Like, even though it shows up as Daniel Bryan and not Brian Danielson, it shows up as Big Show and not Paul White, it's still good for him to have AEW guys on a major WWE program. Right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was it was good to see. And, yeah, Cena, um, you know, storied career, <laughs> legendary um wasn't always the most popular guy with diehard fans but i think kind of won them over there in the last those last few years for sure um i'm always excited to see him um so yeah i hope and hopefully he's got a few more matches left in him so yeah well he said he's like he'll be back he doesn't know when and then people were chanting one more match one more match and you barely make that out on raw but he's he says right to that person he's like it's not just one there's gonna be many i just don't know when they're gonna be so he's clearly not done in fact i i would be shocked if he doesn't win the world title one more time uh just because he's tied right now with rick flair which i don't think WWE loves <laughs> right so i i would imagine that they'll try to either get randy orton in there to get him or it's gonna be john cena uh, I have two questions for you with the John Cena stuff, though. Um, one, you had brought it up when you say fans didn't always love John Cena. My take is that I think they just didn't love the fact that he didn't keep doing the a- Attitude Era stuff, right? Like, he was very, like, he did the rap gimmick. He was very on the edge. And then when WWE changed to a PG product, and he was the head of that, and then stopped doing all that stuff, I think fans didn't like it they just were like dude we want this attitude stuff give us our attitude stuff you were so good at it and then he stopped and i think fans hated that um do you see that as the reason why he got booed so much or do you think there's something else to it it's that and the way he was booked i think i think he was kind of shoved down people's throats a lot and you had the you know lol cena wins sort of stuff where he was he just kept beating guys um guys that people i think wanted to see win occasionally there was the moment, obviously, when he absolutely, when he just, you know, I don't, I don't know, he buried them, but he he put a swift end to the the Nexus storyline, pretty much by beating all of them. Um, when people, when that was like a faction that was really over, and people really wanted to see dominate, um, you know, stuff like that, which obviously he had no say in. He couldn't, I would think, not he couldn't always control how he was how he was booked. Um, so yeah, definitely the he got over by being, you know, the the Doctor of Thugonomics and all that. Um, and then, yeah, very, very sort of abrupt shift to family friendly product followed by just repetitive booking at the expense of guys that people wanted to see succeed. So yeah, it was a combination of things. He did always have as much as he had detractors. He always had, you know, it was, there was the cloud crowd was always normally pretty split, right? He always had, um, he always had a lot of, a lot of fans as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, those the last few years of his career, of the last few years of his career today, um, were have been have been really fun to watch. So, yeah. Do you agree with JBL when he says no? It's always going to be a debate about who the goat is, whether it's Bruno Sammartino or Ric Flair, or whatever. 
Uh, JBL says John Cena hands down is the best representative we've ever seen in this industry. He represents our business and the professional wrestling sports entertainment industry better than anyone on the planet, arguing that John Cena has done more for wrestling and putting a good name out there, doing these make-a-wishes, promoting the business, showing up on radio shows, being here and there. Uh, do you agree with JBL when he says it's not even close? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, I think when you factor in the all, all of that stuff and the fact that you know there aren't any um, secret recordings of him being racist, uh, stuff like that, um, I think that ultimately, yeah, I think you know, did he? I don't know. It's it's really hard to quantify because people always talk about Hulkamania and stuff and how how profitable that was and how wild, how sort of crazy and palpable and ever present that whole thing was um and it's and so it's hard to quantify i think obviously hogan probably sold more tickets than john cena but um right now john cena is one of you know he's a huge hollywood star he's he's part he's in these you know fast and furious movies he's popping up in romantic comedies and stuff like that he's he's a big star and he still comes back to wwe to wrestle he's already got he's already got a, he's already had a much more successful movie career than hulk hogan ever had um yeah, I, I, I do. I do. I, I think JBL was right that Cena is is the the best representative of the. I don't know about the industry, but certainly of WWE. That's for sure. Yeah, I think maybe advocates maybe the more appropriate word, right? Like, because when you talk about crossover stars, it's The Rock. When you talk about guys that drew the most, it's probably Austin and Hulk Hogan. When you talk about guys who dominated the business and ran as heavyweight champion or sold out a building more times than anybody's probably San Martino. But when you talk about somebody who was an advocate for this business, for professional wrestling and for WWE, John Cena's the guy. Like John Cena was the guy who absolutely loved every inch of WWE and went out of his way with a crazy schedule to continue to push the product forward as much as he possibly and humanly could. Um, and you're right. I mean, Mark Henry said it too. He's like, there's no real, I mean, you hear stories about, um, you know, in the background, the women or the out the drinking or whatever, but never anything like, oh my gosh, this guy was an alcoholic, this guy was abusing people, this guy was, a none of that with John Cena, right? Like, there just was never a black cloud over this guy, um, which is so rare in in the world of, you know, celebrity and, and wrestling, especially when you hear about the Dark Side of the Ring stories and all the stuff that used to happen uh, back in the day with a lot of these guys, so... Super impressive that he's been able to do this for 20 years um, and not have it come back in any way and 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 hurt him in terms of... It just seems like a decent guy. Not everybody's cup of tea, maybe, but certainly a, just a decent guy who cares. And as Mark Henry pointed out, it's got to be hard doing those make-a-wishes things, right? To to know that this person, this this child that you're talking to is probably not going to be here you know, this time next year, a couple years from now, um, and that you're talking to a bunch of terminally ill children like that's got to be tough yeah definitely yeah and he still does it he's still doing it just didn't he just fly to the netherlands to meet to meet um a ukrainian refugee as part of make a wish or something which was that video is a tearjerker if you (laughs) if you want to go find that but yeah he's seems like seems like i yeah seems like a a good dude just seems like a good dude yeah, and they were saying, I saw another video too where he was in town for some promotional shoot or something and got a, a message from a fan on a Make-A-Wish thing who was about an hour flight away. And he's like, well, I've got 
eight hours. Let's do it. Hops on a plane, goes over, does this thing, spends the afternoon with this child, and then goes back and finishes. Like, that's just what he's doing, right? Like, there's a million things that he could do during that time. He could work out. He could do other things. He could be reading scripts. No, he goes and he spends, you know, eight hours in the afternoon with with a kid who wants to make a wish. Like, it's just... It's pretty impressive that he's able to find time and do that and really cares to do it and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know. Are we missing anything? I think we've covered, you know, Forbidden Door, Dynamite, some of the news in WWE. We've got Money in the Bank. I suppose we should talk about that very, very quickly. We'll, we'll close the show off with that. Um, what are you expecting out of Saturday? I don't know that this is the the biggest belt card that we're ever going to see from WWE in terms of, you know, um, really big draws, really big names. Uh, there's not any, I don't know if there's any huge matches on this card that we're all like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so fantastic. Uh, seems a little bit underwhelming uh, compared to some of the other new pay-per-views that we've been subject to here for WWE. What are you expecting out of uh, Money in the Bank on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the I'm sure the actual man, Money in the Bank matches will be fun. Um, it's kind of, it, it's hard to, 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 to choose a winner from any of these matches. You know, you got, in the men's match, you've got Rollins, McIntyre, Sheamus, Omos, Sami Zayn, Riddle, and then uh, TBD. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to choose. A- well, we were supposed to have a, a finish with either Ezekiel or Kevin Owens, but Kevin Owens didn't show up on Monday's Raw. So we're assuming he's going to be on SmackDown on Friday to have that match. We don't know that, though. We don't know why Kevin Owens wasn't there other than to say that he, I just didn't want to go to Texas, leave me alone. Um, so we don't know who the who the sixth person in that match is going to be yet because Kevin Owens and Ezekiel didn't have their match on Monday, right? And yeah, so out of those, you'd think I th- I feel like Rollins with the briefcase would suit Rollins the best, but I feel like this is actually this actually should be more of an important Money in the Bank uh, match than than normal because nobody there aren't any viable contenders or any viable people to take that title off of reigns and i feel like if they if they want to get themselves out of a corner they've booked themselves in then the money in the bank briefcase is a good way to do that um but yeah again it's hard to sort of see who's going to win who, who the briefcase is always i don't really i don't i never really like it when a baby face wins so i don't know Sami Zayn or rollins i guess would be would be uh my choice um and then in the women's ladder match you know it's even harder to choose right Shotzi, becky lynch oscar raquel rodriguez Liv morgan alexa bliss lacey evans it's uh yeah it's hard to it's hard to to, to choose a winner out of out of those i think the fans would love it if Liv won that one um but i can see lacey winning that since they seem to be wanting to um push her a little bit although she's baby face now right so i don't know yeah it's hard to say yeah, uh, that that whole uh, Lacey Evans thing just hasn't worked for me at all. But um, the Beck, yeah, I'd be shocked if Becky Lynch doesn't win this. To be totally honest with you, like she seems to be the one everybody's going to pick if they were putting money down on it. Probably would be Becky Lynch, and there's a way around not having that happen. But uh, yeah, she seems like the odd, you know, the one person to put in there who's just steps above all the others, right? Like. In terms of the level of where they're at and the female stardom in WWE, it's Lynch and then it's everybody else. So, um, yeah, she seems like the obvious winner for me. I suppose the match I'm most looking forward to um, is probably the Usos and the Street Profits, even though this is not the first time by any stretch that we've seen this match. Um, I think it'll be the best uh, wrestling match on the card. But there's really nothing on this card, to be totally honest with you, that I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be fantastic. This is going to be 
like there's no marquee bout here that I'm like, oh, right on. This sells the pay-per-view for me. Yeah, I guess they're just resting on the actual Money in the Bank matches. Um, I think the Ronda Natalia build has been kind of fun. <laughs> it's been kind of a train wreck, but kind of fun as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a foregone conclusion who's going to win that one. But, yeah, the build's been 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 funny to watch. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll find out for those of you that want to know what happens here on Saturday. Uh, I will be out of town, so I won't get the chance to watch the show. I'll watch it later, and we'll check out all the reports on thesportster.com like everybody else will. But you can tune in uh, for the winners and losers on the Sportster after that pay-per-view happens on Saturday night, by the way. Saturday night, not Sunday night. Uh, So enjoy that. We hope you guys enjoyed another episode of the Sportster Show. Uh, check it out. Leave us a uh, five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'd greatly appreciate that. If you guys could do that, download and subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms. Check out all the YouTube content, Facebook page, Twitter account at Wrestling Sheet. Uh, Norman's out there all the time updating things from the sports here. So uh, have a fantastic long weekend, everybody. We hope you enjoy your holidays. We hope you enjoy Money in the Bank. We hope you enjoyed Forbidden Door and Dynamite. Uh, for Norman, Quarantine, and myself, Jim Parsons, this has been another episode of the Sportster Show. We'll talk to you guys next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 